Welcome. Everything is fine. You're listening to Fork and Bullshirt, the Good Place podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Vivian. And we'll be the architects to your afterlife. This week we're talking about Season 4, Episode 10, You've Changed Man. This episode was written by Matt Murray, directed by Rebecca Asher, and it aired January 9th, 2020. That's right! We're in the home stretch, guys! Ah! (laughs) That's how I feel. It is pretty wild. All right, so let's get right into our episode recap. The judge continues to search for her clicker in the various Janet voids. Janet tries to convince her not to erase the earth, but Jen remains steadfast in her ruling. Look, I'm the freaking judge, and I made a freaking ruling, and it's going to freaking happen as soon as I find the freaking clicker thing. The rest of the group work together to figure out a way to save all of humanity. Eleanor and Chidi have a brief confirmation of their love before Chidi begins a lesson. Chidi identifies the greatest flaw of the current afterlife system. The cruelty of the punishment does not match the cruelty of the life one has lived. With time running out, they propose the idea of a medium place to the Good Place Committee and Sean. The committee doesn't bother to hear their plan before agreeing, but unsurprisingly, Sean rejects their proposal. Sean, you used to be cool, but you've changed, man. The humans offer another option to Sean. If the judge can establish a medium place, the five of them will willingly go to the bad place for an eternity of torture. Sean says no, again. Chidi comes up with one last proposal. Once the judge has looked through every Janet but one, the team enters Janet's void. They trick the judge into hearing their final proposal with Timothy Oliphant there to sweeten the deal. Interesting. Oh. Why don't you walk us through it? Yeah, we're gonna, man. Just chill. They suggest an entirely new system where the afterlife serves as a series of tests designed to help humans overcome their greatest moral shortcomings. Humans will be evaluated, rebooted, and allowed to complete the test multiple times, giving them a fair shot to go to the good place. Sean passes on the idea, but Michael thinks there may be more to his rejection. Sean admits fighting with Michael has been the most fun he's had in a very long time, and he doesn't want it to end. Michael consoles him and invites him to reconsider. I know, buddy. It's hard when things end. But one way or the other, this is over. The only question is, what's next? Back in the judge's chamber, everyone is finally on the same page. The episode ends with everyone looking at Chidi to decide what they'll do first. Okay, so Jason, we're finally here. We are at the point where we are figuring out a solution to the afterlife problem. It has been honestly a like long and winding road with so much crazy stuff that has happened. Um, honestly, it's kind of like we've been on Jeremy Baramy or something. <laughs> it's been pretty wild. Yeah. So how do you feel about, I guess let's just kind of get to the end. How do you feel about this proposal that they come up with? It's great. I mean, it's very familiar. I think we've <laughs> been saying it for the past few years that this is something that they kind of need to do, but it's the show needed to get there. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that we're kind of on the same page as everyone else in okay. the, you know, the whole staff and the writer's room and everything. Like, this is kind of what we needed to happen. Everyone kind of being evaluated their own way. Right. Because everyone's baseline is so different. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a very good point, too. We even have like a, a giant variety of baselines within our four humans right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah like eleanor's bad is very different from jason's bad Mm -hmm. and chidi's bad 
than Donnie's bad. Yeah. Yes. I mean, <laughs> and definitely to... different than Michael's bad as well, even though he's not human still. Exactly. Um, yeah, I... It's it's basically what I wanted to happen, but it's not something I feel like I've predicted, though. Mm-hmm. Um, because, of course, a lot of people have predicted that they were going to go with a medium place. Um, which I'm glad they didn't do because that would have been a little too predictable. Yes. And I'm I like... very glad. Yeah. And I like that Chidi even mentions in the episode, like, it's okay, but it's, it's still not great. You mm-hmm. know, it's still not the... A, perfect system it's still not much better we're just kind of coming up with a band-aid here exactly it's not the it's not what the solution is that we need it's just a quick fix right absolutely right so i'm glad we didn't land on that plus that would have been almost like frustratingly obvious that like why didn't we figure that out in season three or (laughs) season two or something eleanor has been saying it this whole time so yeah i like the idea much more of having these tests being able to get rebooted and kind of have this like voice in your head, a moral compass guiding you. It seems to be that the goal is most to get the most amount of people into the good place as possible. um, While still understanding that some people are never going to get there. Mm -hmm. You know, if we have the next Hitler, for example, I don't think he's going to the good place, no matter how many times he goes through this afterlife test. Right. Like, right. So that's one of the the things I had a question about is, are there going to be a set number of tests, like a, a, a finite number of tests that people get a chance to take? Like, mm-hmm. are they going to get 800 tries? And then by the 801st try, if they don't nail it, then they're going to the bad place. Or are they going to just constantly get tested for the rest of eternity until they finally get in? Or they just never yeah, and I... And they're I, just testing for all of their non-life. Well, and then do you also have a cutoff for whether or not people can even take a test? Right. Because if you are someone who has, on Earth, you know, fought for the genocide of a race, um, maybe you don't get a test, right? Like, do you? Do you or do you not? And right, maybe there's that threshold that they're talking about is they're going to have a, you know, a number that's like, well... If you manage to hit this number on Earth, like in the negatives, then you don't get it to be tested. Yeah. You're kind of screwed. And that's that's a bit interesting because it's it's too, almost too close to, to the heaven and hell, good place, bad place thing that we've been doing, mm-hmm. right? Because it, there's a cutoff point for the good place and no one <laughs> in the last 500 years has made that cutoff point. Right. So can you deny anyone... A fair shot, I guess. I don't know. It's that's really hard. Mm-hmm. So it brings up a lot of new questions, which are really, really cool to think about. I'm happy with the idea that it's like school and it's learning and it's <laughs> being challenged and it's all these things that we've been doing for four seasons mm-hmm. with Chidi's ethics lessons and making this kind of like an academic thing, but. <sighs> What I'm trying to say is like season one, there was the whole academic component of Eleanor being in the house and, you know, looking at Chidi's chalkboard and taking lessons from him. But then there were practical applications of those lessons. Right. Right. So I'm glad that we're going to see or maybe not see, but that the plan is to do that again and again with people. Right. And for everyone else. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that it's it's got that 
kind of like school focus, but at the same time, practical applications of ethics too, mm-hmm. which is fun. Because as we know from people like Jason um, and Eleanor, just sitting in a classroom doesn't help that much. <laughs> exactly. They won't do well in a written test, but they may nail the practical. Exactly. So yeah, it's like I was never very good at written tests, but I feel like I was better at the hands-on things. Mm-hmm. So I get better grades and those, yeah. Yeah, and I like that every test is going to be constructed for that particular person to really work on their moral shortcomings. So that's a lot of architects. <laughs> that's so I, many architects. But there are so many already and like so many demons and they're all kind of focused on torturing or in the good place, I guess, I don't know, congratulating themselves on their new vests, whatever. So there's so many people in the afterlife already working in this, well, awful system so hopefully mm-hmm. they'll, they'll all just have new jobs it'll be great <laughs> or they'll they'll make more architects whoever does that right? right whoever creates them maybe we'll find out some people getting promotions bumped up uh-huh. a few levels we'll get a lot more janets i assume <laughs> they're gonna need to create a lot more janets yeah Ooh. can janet create more janets oh i don't know i mean weird. she created that's Derek. like dividing by zero <laughs> That's true. She did create Dare. She did. Slightly lesser Janet. Uh-huh. So when I was thinking about um, this idea and and what kind of spurred all of this with Chidi's lesson about Judith Sklar's ordinary vices, of course, I went and looked up the book and guys, I'm just, I don't know, not smart enough for this. <laughs> I find political theory very difficult to wrap my head around. Uh, A lot of it just kind of sounds like someone is speaking to me in a different language. So I do not have the expertise when it comes to this. But I thought it would just be cool to give a little bit of uh, background info. So Judith was a philosopher and a political theorist who worked at Harvard for most of her adult life. And in the article that Chidi references, Putting Cruelty First... Um, it's actually just, it's discussing ranking vices, which is interesting because it's, it's looking at the seven deadly sins and then realizing that cruelty is not one of them because technically cruelty is not a transgression against the divine rule of God. And it's, it's arguing that cruelty should be the absolute worst flaw, the absolute worst vice. Huh. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, when you think of all the other. You know, the seven deadly sins, mm-hmm. gluttony, sloth, etc. I definitely would see cruelty as being worse than a lot of those. Mm-hmm. So in Ordinary Vices, the the little abstract that you get when you look it up online, it says, The seven deadly sins of Christianity represent the abysses of character, whereas Judith Sklar's Ordinary Vices, cruelty, hypocrisy, snobbery, betrayal, and misanthropy are merely treacherous shells, Flowing our characters with mean-spiritedness and inhumanity. So then she examines the destructive effects of these ordinary vices and the moral problems that they pose um, for governments and citizens. And it's all very complex for someone like me. But it's, it's really interesting to think about those kind of very typical flaws that people have. 
and flaws that sometimes we don't think of as flaws, right? I know, of course, like, Chidi refers to someone being imprisoned for possession of marijuana and being imprisoned for many, many years, whereas, like, the cruelty of the crime doesn't fit the cruelty of the punishment. Right. But some people would not see that punishment as cruel, right? It, it brings up a lot of interesting questions about, like, prison reform and, like, what is the what is the nature of prison? Are we trying to rehabilitate or are we trying to punish people? Like what's going on and what right. are we trying to achieve? So it's very big, big questions here. And it's interesting too, because when you think about the afterlife and the the punishment of the afterlife that you get in hell or in the bad place, it's like, wait, what are we trying to achieve here too? Because we're not rehabilitating anybody. Mm-mm. We are sentencing them to eternal damnation. Eternal torture, penis flattenings, the whole nine yards, right? Like, but for what reason? So For the pleasure of the demons. <laughs> right, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. But uh, like <laughs> Sean was saying at the end of the episode, it stops losing its fun the trillionth time you pour lava down someone's throat. Yeah, should have just been a teacher. An <laughs> yeah, so it stops being fun. Yeah. Because there's no purpose behind it. There's no challenge. There's no challenge. Right. right? There's no challenge in eye, corkscrewing someone's eyeball for the millionth time, right? But to be able to teach people, to challenge people, that's going to be hopefully a lot more interesting mm-hmm. for everybody in the afterlife and will hopefully lead to a lot more people being in the good place where they will hopefully live and learn and continue growing even after death. Right. I also thought of... Some different kinds of religions. Um, And I don't usually get like religious on this podcast, but (laughs) there were some really cool ones because I thought about um, the idea of the afterlife being like a school and it not being so black and white, like good and bad place. Um, So I found a couple of different religions that have something similar. (laughs) So I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong. Rosicrucianism? Um, in that religion, they speak of a life review period that occurs immediately after death. So you're kind of like watching your life backwards. You're getting to see that. So it happens immediately after death and before entering um, the afterlife's plane of existence, uh, which is followed by this judgment. But it's kind of more like a final review or like an end report about your life, which is cool. So... The idea is like, it's kind of like every life uh, is a day in school and these spirits learn these different kinds of lessons. It's a slow process of evolution that's kind of necessary for you to become as wise and all-knowing as the the father, God. Okay. So that's kind of cool. Like this idea of learning and reviewing your life mm-hmm. and the choices that you made, which is neat. So in Judaism, the Talmud offers a number of thoughts relating to the afterlife. So the soul is brought for judgment after death. They don't enter the world to come immediately. They experience this period of review of their earthly actions. They're made aware of what they did wrong. And then they kind of get a reschooling. They get to understand. They get to gain wisdom about what they did wrong and why it was wrong. And then Um, what do they do with that wisdom? Yeah, so the interesting thing is that 
this period is supposed to last like around a year and then the soul takes place in the world to come, which is what I understand with my very, very limited amount of knowledge here is that that's like a good afterlife. And this concept of eternal damnation is not at all a tenet of the Jewish afterlife. Um, So according to the Talmud, extinction of the soul, meaning like you're just done, is just reserved for a small, small group of people who are like really, truly malicious or evil, Hmm. um, who have done really evil deeds that go way beyond the norm. So that's kind of interesting. Like there's not, there's not a hell in Judaism. It's just, you're gone. Yeah, you're just... Your soul is... You're gone. You're snuffed out. You're extinct because... And then the last religion I want to talk about is Zoroastrianism. Um, Did you actually teach this when you were a teacher? I I did. I did. Um, Of course, it was just a a very brief little introduction, so I don't remember a whole lot about it. Um, But I do remember a, a couple of things. So in Zoroastrianism, when you die, um, there is like this bridge that brings you to the afterlife and you are either brought to the house of souls, which is a good, positive, happy place, or you can go to the house of lies, which is a temporary place um, that is meant to reform you, where punishments fit the crime, so they're not overly cruel, and your soul does not stay in eternal damnation. So, of course, the place is is awful, you know, there's foul smells and, you know, this, like, all-consuming darkness and all that kind of stuff. But no matter how bad you were in life, all souls are finally going to be welcomed into the presence of this high, the highest deity who was so benevolent that he wouldn't allow any of his creations to suffer eternally. So that's kind of cool. The idea that like even the darkest souls could be redeemed at some point. Mm -hmm. So that's not what we're going for exactly, but it's different from the widespread notion of the good place and the bad place that we have in so many religions. So (laughs) I kind of wanted to just talk about them. They're, they're cool. Of course, my knowledge is like super limited. So if you have a lot of knowledge of religion and I got something wrong, please absolutely tell me, write us a long email about it. If you have other ones out there that you know about other religions that have this kind of similar thing, also send us a message about that because I just like learning this stuff. So what do you think, Jason? What did you think about uh, all this? I mean, in my very (laughs) limited education and when it comes to this stuff, uh, it reminds me a lot of all the jokes that you hear. Like, Three people end up in front of St. Peter at the Pearly Gates. Right. And St. Peter says, you know, why should we let you in? <laughs> you did all these things on Earth. So um, he's like the doorman, right? Right. Okay. So, And then, of course, there's the other aspect of Christianity, which says you'll only be judged by God himself. Mm-hmm. And that's very different. Like, you're already at, you've already gotten past the gates. <laughs> so, um yeah, it's, it's it's interesting thinking about all these different religions and how different they all are, mm-hmm. but there's so many similarities. Yeah. Just reminds me a lot of Lost as well. Yeah. The final season. But I don't want to go into details because I would hate <laughs> to spoil the show for 
anybody who is just starting it or yeah. wants to start it because it's such a great show and yeah. watch it. Yes, there's heavy, <laughs> heavy religious yes. stuff going on in Lost, but but yeah, I like I like that the show is basically saying like things just can't be so black and white. The world is too gray right now. Like Earth itself is too gray that we can't have an afterlife that's so black and white that doesn't understand what life is really like. Mm-hmm. And what people are like, and we need to make changes. And I like that there's, we're moving towards something that's a lot more personalized for people. um, And something that doesn't (laughs) rely on, like, hopefully too many people being damned for all eternity. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's something that should be translated into our schooling, our education system. Hmm. Everyone learns differently. And yet everyone takes the same tests. Right. So, I mean, it's obviously it's way more work to customize everyone's tests or papers or projects for each individual person and their Mm -hmm. learning styles. But I think we should be a bit more accommodating. (laughs) I mean, there's at this point, there's like there's two groups. There's people with learning disabilities and people without them. And everyone else, they just take the same test. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. It's frustrating. I know a lot of people that have difficulty in school because of that issue. They didn't learn the same way. They're super smart people in their own way. Mm -hmm. They just weren't good at those specific type of tests. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely a part of why I like this. Like, Jason's test in the afterlife would be completely different than Chidi's because Mm -hmm. they're completely different people. You wouldn't expect them to be able to perform equally well on the same test, right? Like if it was old Chidi and it was a test of whether or not he can make a decision quickly, well, Jason's going to win on that one. (laughs) So yeah, uh, very interesting, very fun. I feel good about this new afterlife system. Mm-hmm. But I'm scared because there's like three episodes left. So how are we going to fork it all up I is know. how I'm thinking. <laughs> there's going to be some hurdles. <laughs> and I know in an interview, Michael Schur said that the ending is going to be not completely positive. Hmm. So okay. I'm wondering whether that's just like his way of saying it's not going to be feel good. It's going to be very much like this is what needs to happen. Not everything is going to be a happy ending because that's not how it works in life. Right. Like everything (laughs) is perfect and everyone who takes the test eventually ends up in the good place and the bad place gets, I don't know, demolished. Yes. Yeah. (sighs) Okay. Well, I guess that is to be expected. You know, there's a certain reality in this show that we, we don't get from other shows, right? It acknowledges how dark and sad and scary the world can be. Yeah. Yeah. The episode... Definitely didn't go the way I was expecting. Oh, okay. Which I should have expected. <laughs> to expect the unexpected. So yeah. it was like, I was reverse, reverse psychology by Michael Schur. <laughs> okay, like, okay. Okay, I know it's gonna, not going to go one way, but then it's going to go the other way, but then it went a completely other way. Mm. Like, I kind of thought the whole episode would just be a bottle episode. Right. Of them trying to figure out what to do. Okay. And they were... Going all over the place. In Janet's voids, in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. back in the, the judges' chambers. It was fun. It wasn't It wasn't just like, let's sit around and pick our brains. Yeah. 
I feel like the constant moving around did make it feel a little frantic. Mm. But that's not a bad thing because... They only you... had like 20 minutes. Exactly. So if you're making me feel frantic, that's probably a good thing. You're putting me in the character's shoes there. Like, <laughs> if I'm Eleanor, I'm freaking out. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so... But at the same time, you kind of want to get out of here. Yeah. But no, 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 no. We got to focus. <laughs> <laughs> I liked seeing the different Janet voids, though. That was fun. You know, yes. it was it was a cool little thing that we got to do. I don't feel like it was super, super important to have that time with the judge because we already knew that her impartiality is kind of more just callousness at this point. We know that. But it was it was nice to see an expansion on the afterlife, right? Mm-hmm. Like neutral Janet's void, which looks Literally like, a void. It looks like the inside of a manila-like folder. <laughs> it's awful. Yep. There's nothing in it. <laughs> it's all beige. But uh, Bad Janet's probably wins for me. Because that was that was great. There was a lot of fun stuff in there. So I made a list. Okay. Um, while we're in Bad Janet's void, we get a glimpse of several little Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. Plenty of trash, toilets, beer kegs, the poor disfigured animal from charades. Oh my god, that... Was it a... It was a horse. It was a horse giraffe thing. Oh, it was so ugly. Beer kegs. Uh, I think I already mentioned beer kegs. Yeah. Um, burning tires. Team flags. Lakers, Cowboys, Yankees, and Trojans. <laughs> a billboard for the hideous Tesla truck. With, oh my god, that thing is so ugly. Oh, so ugly. With oh, l- what mm-hmm. looks like cyber truck written on it, but like C-Y-B-R-R-T-R-U-K-K. Oh no. Because of course... Beer pong table, several radio towers, which I'm not sure about. I think those are cell towers because okay. she's always on her cell phone. That's true. <laughs> a monster truck, a missile, a another missile in a shopping cart. Okay. A cannon, a trebuchet. Nice. An open barrel of toxic waste, several jars of mayonnaise, crates of dynamite. That was so gross. So many so open gross. jars of mayo. Ugh. Ugh. I walked into a grocery store, like, side note, I walked into a grocery store once, and I was going down an aisle, and there was an open jar of mayonnaise in the aisle, and it looked like someone had taken, like, a scoop out of it. It was really gross. Oh, so nasty. I was like, um, is someone just making a sandwich in here? (laughs) (laughs) A poster for Bad Janet in the style of Scarface. A poster for... I was trying to figure out that one. I was like, mob movie poster. I just kept looking up stuff and I was like, no, it's not Sopranos. No, it's not Godfather. Close. Oh, what is it? (laughs) Poster for Pirates of the Caribbean 12. Of course. Jack Sparrow fights Aquaman, probably. At this point, what does it matter? (laughs) And a dumpster fire. And underneath the dumpster fire is a literal Easter egg. Oh my god, that's that was hilarious. I'm like, what the heck is that under the dumpster? <laughs> is that going to be Glenn from Walking Dead? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> and no, it was just an Easter egg. So and then... one thing I saw, yeah. I don't know if you noticed, was a graffitied Mona Lisa. Yeah, with like devil horns and a little mustache. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty it's like, great. oh, okay. <laughs> it's probably the original too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the desktop of Bad Janet's computer... There's a few things visible. Oh. Virtual toilet app. Oh my god, of course. Book of Humans and Manifesto. 
Oh, yay! Yep. A season of Entourage. And, of <laughs> course, Twitter. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's so, great. Yeah, that was the contents of Bad Janet's Void. Yeah. Bad Janet's Void was a lot of fun. The only thing is, I wish it had been darker, mm. I guess. Because it just came off as, like, good Janet's Void, but with a lot of crappy stuff in it. Whereas if the mood had been changed with like lighting or something, that could have been fun too. Or like a, a storm in the background or something mm. just to make the atmosphere different. Okay. I would have liked that. That would have been cool. I like the idea of they're not their own personal voids. There's all just one big void and each Janet has to like get their own little space in it. So they can't redecorate the actual void. They just can fill it with crap. But what about neutral Janet? Hers is all like beige colored. How come Paint on the bad walls. Janets can't have all black <laughs> and then we can go very literal with the black and white, good and bad, you know? <laughs> Disco Janet's Void was fun, too. I like mm-hmm. the eight-track player mm-hmm. with what you're looking for, baby. And, of course, the gonna erase the earth, erase the earth. That has been stuck in my head for a week. <laughs> Thank you, Maya Rudolph. But, like... Why did you do this to me? (laughs) There's a lot of great lines in this episode, too. Like, a lot of really funny moments for me. I loved the judge's line about father figures. Mm -hmm. I loved the line about showing the judge the light. But, you know, she's not really all that impressed because she was there when it was created. I love Jason's, well, did you actually write that down or did you just scribble scrabble? (laughs) And then Michael actually writes it down and shows it to him like, good, all right? Okay, I wrote it down. Are you glad? Yeah, I noted that it's a, it would be a bummer. I love Chidi's frustration at the good place committee when he's just like, shut up. I'm confident now and you're going to listen to me. <laughs> that was really fun. Like, there's a lot of really good lines in this episode, despite the fact that we're kind of going all over the place trying to figure out a solution to this insane problem yeah and i i was surprised i actually really liked the addition of timothy oliphant oh i thought it was great it was it was done in such a way that it didn't feel too like ham-fisted like Mm. it was clever enough i think and the way that he interacted with everyone Mm -hmm. felt very good like, the yeah. way he was just, like, trying to clear things up and, like, hey, I don't have a dog in this fight. Like, <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> and the questions he was asking were super relevant. Like, they weren't dumb questions like, what the heck am I doing here? Or, you know, I think I'm in the wrong show or something like mm-hmm. that. Something too meta. Yeah. No, it was good. He actually acted as an audience surrogate. Mm-hmm. He was asking the questions that we were thinking exactly. at the time. Yeah. And so he wasn't pulling too much focus, which I liked, because it was like, oh, hey, yeah, it's Timothy Oliphant, and the judge is excited to see him, and we have the funny joke of, uh, oh, Tim's okay, actually. <laughs> like, that kind of stuff. But it wasn't, oh, suddenly it's a show about him, and we're going to focus on him. Right. He was just kind of a fun little addition. Mm-hmm. But I wondered why they chose him. And I feel like it has something to do with Justified. Because I'm thinking, like, this is a problem of justice. And then his show is called Justified. And he's a cop? A sheriff? 
I don't know. I've never watched the show. I tried to find trailers for the show, but it was more confusing than illuminating. So <laughs> I think you're on the right page. Like... I'm sure there's there's something, you know, like he killed somebody in the show and then he says, but it was justified. So <laughs> no, no, it actually does. He, you're laughing, but he does. In one of the little previews I watched, it was like, yeah, but the killing was justified. And Meanwhile, then, Peter boom, Griffin boom. over there was like, hey, that's the title <laughs> of the show. He said the title. <laughs> right? So, um, yeah. I'm what not. are we in? Some kind of good place? <laughs> but, yeah, so I, I kept thinking, okay, are we trying to make some sort of comment? Because why would, why else would you have him in this particular episode? It must be a, a justice thing. But I'm not seeing the connection there, so... Other than the names are similar, Justice and Justified, whatever. So, I've never seen him in anything. I've never watched Justified. I His face is familiar-ish, but He's, I don't know what I've seen I've him in. I've only seen him in a few things. He's very versatile. Like Justified and Deadwood are very serious types of shows. They're western-y, right? I think. Okay. I haven't watched either oh, okay, of them. Okay. Yeah. Um... I've seen him in a few things, Die Hard 4, uh, the movie Hitman, The Crazies, Scream 2. He was one of the killers in Scream 2. And, oh. of course, most recently in Santa Clarita Diet. Oh, Rest in he peace. The, he's the, uh, the husband, right? Yes. So oh, he's man. hilarious in that. Like, he, is, he gets to flex his comedy chops. And okay. he's great, but I, I just haven't watched deadwood or justified but i feel like i should i got the vibe though i like i understood what the judge was feeling like even in this episode just his like i ain't got a dog in this fight little lady and i'm like all right all right i get it (laughs) (laughs) i see the appeal (laughs) you son of a bitch i'm in (laughs) yeah i was like okay all right this is neat (laughs) um i was worried though like the second i saw him i was like oh no don't distract too much. We have so much more to do. We still have a story to tell. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was worried, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Like overall, it wasn't a bad addition. It was actually nice. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I sort of wish they had changed, which might sound contradictory to what I was saying earlier, because I like the whole learning school environment. I thought it was weird that we go back to this, like, classroom setting in the judge's chamber when Chidi asks um, Janet for a chalkboard and then has the desks for Tahani and Michael. And it just, it felt weird. I kind of wanted it to be different, like maybe a boardroom table, something like that, where it felt like everyone was on the same page brainstorming. Hmm. Just physically, like, the actual blocking of the scene felt okay. a little too much like Tahani and Jason don't have anything to contribute. They're at the They're back the of the back, class. Right. Eleanor's really the only one participating in the lesson. Michael is there observing. And you have Chi here at the front. Like, it just... I would have rather seen them all on the same level, literally, physically, on the same level, so that it felt more like this collaboration. I think I would have enjoyed that Instead more. Instead of Chidi at the head of the class again. Yeah. Okay. I didn't want it to feel like Chidi was teaching them another lesson. Like, I understand the point of it, but I think it would have come off differently if they had been at 
a boardroom table type style. I wonder if that's what they're going to do next episode. Yeah. Because with Chidi not being, not wanting to be at the helm <laughs> because he's just the idea guy. Right. I wonder if, I'm assuming Eleanor is going to take charge or take the lead in the next step. Maybe she'll need some collaboration. Kind of like when they were at the IHOP. When they were all at that boardroom table and they mm-hmm. were all... Yeah, with the judge and Sean yeah. there as well. Yeah. So maybe something more like that. But yeah. I, I, I guess I can see why they were doing it because kind of like, hey guys, remember they were all in the classroom once yeah. and that's how it was. And... and they honestly do need Cheaty. Like they established that in the previous episode. We need Cheaty to help us figure out what to do. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Now that he's just the, the idea man, he doesn't know exactly how to enact everything. Uh, he doesn't know what to start with. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they'll be on more level playing field and we're going to get a little bit more help from Tahani and Jason. Yes. I know oh. Tahani's got a lot to offer. <laughs> I also did really love Jason's thing during the presentation at the end where he's just like, and we rest our case. We're done. And immediately they're like, no, 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 no. no. We have a lot more to say. <laughs> Do not listen to him <laughs> because that's so Jason. He's like, oh man, in group projects, I usually just finish stuff off. I just say thanks and then peace and I leave. Like that would totally be Jason where he didn't do any of the work. Someone else was like, oh, okay, Jason, I don't know. Just say that we're done at the end. Okay. And then turn off the projector. And he's like, well, I can't do that last part, but I'll say it. we're done. <laughs> <laughs> like that's it. He's so. one of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Chidi's got his memories back. Yeah, uh, a whole lot of them. And he get that means he gets to see the time knife again. <laughs> that was so, so good. So, this time his reaction is totally different. <laughs> yeah. And I can't help but be reminded of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy again. I know I've mentioned this <laughs> book a bajillion times, but I always like It is a good book, and it's so damn quotable. Um, in this particular instance... The extremely charismatic and completely self-centered character, Zaphod Beeblebrox, is thrust into a device called the Total Perspective Vortex. Now, this machine is built with the intention of showing beings the infinity of creation, which became used as a method of torture. Mm -hmm. So the victim is placed in a chamber which displays a model of the entire universe (laughs) with a microscopic dot labeled, You Are Here. Oh! And the sense of perspective is supposed to then destroy the victim's mind. And Zaphod Beeblebrox gets placed in the machine, which in turn tells him that he's the most important person in the universe. (laughs) And of course, he's not surprised, as he had always suspected as much. (laughs) So the the guard says, you've been in the vortex and you saw the whole infinity of creation? The lot, baby. It's a real neat place, you know. (laughs) And you saw yourself in relation to it all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what did you experience? Well, it just told me what I knew all the time. I'm a really great guy. Didn't I tell you, baby? I'm Zaphod Beeblebrox. <laughs> it's one of the great lines of the second book. And uh, yeah, it just reminded me a lot of Chidi's reaction. Like, yeah, it's on the time knife. Whatever. Yeah. It's all right. It's it cool. me. You know, I- I'm pretty chill about it now. Yep. I'm not freaking out like I was last time. <laughs> yeah. Um, we get a very different Chidi in this episode, which mm-hmm. is... Weird. It's weird. And You've when I changed, was, man. Yeah, I thought that line was going to be about him, obviously. Hundo P, as the kids say. <laughs> and I was just listening to, I didn't finish the episode, but I was listening to the official uh, Good Place podcast. Mm-hmm. 
Um, although we did come first, so, you know. <laughs> um, but I was listening to that one, and Kristen Bell was talking about how it was deliberate that William Jackson Harper was going to play less cheaty and more Will. Mm. Like, more just being himself, right. because he is, like, actually quite a confident, like, dude and so him being able to just i don't know just like Be just himself. say i love you to uh eleanor and kiss her right in the middle of uh, a lesson and say stuff like you want to get out of here like he's able to do that because he's channeling that more relaxed part of him mm-hmm. you know so that was cool yeah yeah interesting it's neat i like it i think it's good it's just a little weird it is. Because we're so used to other cheaty and decisive cheaty. <laughs> yeah. But. I'm sure we'll get to see a little bit of that when we're trying to figure out how to start and what to do and the giant to-do list that they're going to have. Yes. I absolutely love Tahani's name drop this episode because oh I had to look it up to figure out what she was talking about. <laughs> okay. So she says that she was with Bruno Mars, LeBron James, and Dr. Ruth Westminster, or Westheimer. Oh, okay. And she says, what? Uh, long story short, the song won tons of Grammys. LeBron performed the successful tra- tracheotomy, <laughs> and everyone was really happy. And because Dr. Ruth Westheimer is a sex therapist, that last line of everyone being really happy... Oh. Made me think there was a little bit more to this story and things got a little freaky with Bruno, LeBron, and Ruth. Oh, maybe. You never know. And that's why uh, Eleanor really wants to hear the rest of that story. Ooh. Yeah, I had no idea who Ruth Westheimer yeah. is. Um, no LeBron James, no Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars, oddly, every time I hear his name, I think of... My boss telling me that she was going to go see a Bruno Mars concert. Oh, Bruno? But she just said, oh, I'm going to go see Bruno this weekend. And I was like, Bruno who? And she's like, Bruno Mars, duh. I was like, okay, sorry. I didn't realize you were on a first name basis. (laughs) Whatever. Yeah, just like Eddie Jimmy. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Eddie Jimmy almost, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, goodness. So... We get Eleanor and uh, and Chidi back. We get a nice kiss for them. And oddly enough, one of the best parts of that is Michael in the background of that kiss. Oh, really? Yeah, he is just, like, his heart is melting in that moment. He is so happy. And then Ted Danson uh, tweeted out an image of him. And he goes, you know, the ultimate third wheel or whatever. But he's just so happy for the two of them. And it's really quite sweet to see. Well, that's nice. <laughs> I gotta yeah. watch that in the background. Yeah. So, obviously, like, you know, my emotions about this episode, pretty positive. But I do feel kind of not so happy about something. So I'm gonna, Are we thinking gonna air about it Sean? Out. Yeah, I'm thinking about Sean. Okay. What did you I... think about Sean? Because I just, I want to know your opinion before I go into my stuff. Okay. I'm happy about it. Okay. Because it was quick, which I'm not happy about. Okay. It was a quick turnaround. But... I completely believe it. Mm. Sean and Michael are pretty much foils, right? Yeah. I mean, I was looking up some more popular or well-known foils in pop culture, like Harry Potter and Draco Malfoy, um, Buffy and Faith, Mulder and Scully, even. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah. Jack and Locke from Lost, Walt and Mike, Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. 
but it just it, it felt like the way that Sean was explaining how how monotonous things have gotten in the afterlife mm-hmm. for him and his demons it's like I totally buy it like I get where he's coming from there would be no satisfaction right mm-hmm. you haven't earned the torture they're not deserved because he knows the system is flawed so as soon as you know the system's flawed then it kind of takes the fun out of everything like maybe these people don't deserve it so the fun isn't there anymore mm. you're not torturing the worst of the worst anymore you're just torturing because they're there because everybody's because there. Because everybody's there and there's no challenge to it. It's not an exclusive club anymore. You it's know? like when <laughs> we're playing with our cat, if we make it too easy for her, she loses interest. Right. Yeah. There's no challenge. Right. It's And he's too, like, they're too smart to not be challenged, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they need a little bit of something extra there. Yeah. So I'm pleased with the turnaround, like... Well, I need you to be there so I can watch you lose or I can see all these people that I'm taking away from you and Mm -hmm. we're going to get bad people just because we can and we're going to make these tests really hard for them. And so we're going to, you know, it's going to be great watching you Mm -hmm. struggle and try to get people into the good place when I know I'm just taking them all. Like, I get that. (laughs) I see the challenge there and I see the, the competitiveness. So... I'm okay with it. Mm, okay. I And I, I get all of that. It's just the, the lizard part of my gra- brain goes, no, you're evil. Stay evil. <laughs> he's still evil, though. That's I know. the thing. Like, but he's it, still it, evil. I know, but the moment he started, and it wasn't so much like when he's saying, oh, well, I'm going to do an evil speech now and stuff. It was like when he started to get emotional about things ending, I was like, Okay, I'm seeing a little bit of, like, meta-ness from the show here, talking about it all good, you know, all things have to end, mm-hmm. and yeah, no, I know, there's only three episodes left, thank you very much, I'm gonna be very upset, but I was just frustrated, I was like, don't give me that, no, Sean wouldn't, I just don't feel like he'd do that, like, I just, I don't know, I, I think, think the part of it is just, like, the turnaround was really quick yes. in this episode in particular, and I just... I'm worried that they're going to do like a Michael 2.0 with Sean. And I don't want that to happen. I want him like what you were saying, like still staying Sean, still wanting to torture people and, you know, be that demon. Like he's still a demon. I want him to stay a demon because we need someone who's opposite Michael. I don't want, you know, Michael 2.0. Yeah. And I just felt like in that moment, I was like, oh, no. Okay. Um. I mean, I get what you're saying, because, yeah, monotonous, I get it. You want to keep fighting, but, like, I want you to enter this as, well, I want to keep fighting you. I don't want you to enter this as, okay, I'm going to work with Michael now. Like, don't defang him, don't declaw him, don't make him, like, submissive now. So, I think there's a lot of history there behind Sean and Michael that we don't get, obviously, because we haven't seen it all. Yeah. But... I also think that Sean was a bit more vulnerable than we've ever seen him because it was just the two of them. Like, we've seen the two of them together before, but right at the office, like, in their workspace. But this was just them at the neighborhood. There was nobody there. There was no uh, desk there to kind of, like, delineate, like, power or anything. Yeah, yeah that's fair. It, it was just yeah. two demons shooting the shirt and just, mm-hmm. I want to keep beating you. 
And the only way I can do that is if you keep bringing humans to the bad place. Yeah, if you keep getting back up after I knock you down. Exactly. Like, otherwise, you stay down, I can't knock you down again. Yeah. So, I think next episode we will definitely see Sean still being a jerk and still wanting to pour lava down people's throats. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, shove nails in people's eyeballs or whatever. But... It was, it was, I totally get what you're saying. Like, it was very quick. The turnaround was very, and seeing him emotional was still, it was a little weird. Yeah. But they just only had like two minutes to do it. This yeah. episode was almost like an episode of 24 and that it was almost real time. <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> 10 yeah. minutes into it, they're like, we only have 10 minutes to go. And then <laughs> after Michael's speech, it's like nine minutes now. Gee, thanks. And that was, <laughs> yeah, nine minutes. Yeah. So. Uh, that, yeah, that's true. Um, when you were talking, I just, I thought of this tweet that I saw and it was like, hey guys, we've actually been tricked and the whole time this has just been a story of Michael and Sean moving from enemies to friends to lovers. (laughs) And I was like, oh yeah, we have a whole past there we don't know about. (laughs) But no, I I like what you're pointing out there. Like, it's just the two of them might, um, Sean isn't trying to showboat for, a bunch of humans that he thinks are pathetic and that he can intimidate. Like it's, it's just Michael and, Michael, and Michael's not fighting him. Right. Exactly. Point. And he's resigned. That was what put Sean off. The yeah. fact that Michael is just like, you know what? You're right. You won. Congrats. Better luck next time. Yeah. Yeah. So Michael was being vulnerable, mm-hmm. which opened out. it up for yes. him. Yeah. I know. You totally no, get, I know. It. You I get just, it. You don't I, have I, to I know. be happy. About I know. It. I know. Yeah. I just, I want, I still want him to be evil yes. is basically how I'm sure we'll I'm see thinking. that. <laughs> I'm sure we'll see it. Yes. So at the end, we get kind of a, okay, what now? Um, what's your prediction for the next episode? I'm just thankful that nobody said, well, where do we go from here? <laughs> that is my most hated line in television, <laughs> movies, and songs. What about the Buffy song? That's a good one. Every time they sing that part, I'm like... <laughs> you're just cringing maybe they're not gonna sing it this time <laughs> oh but they do oh they do they do <laughs> do you know how many songs have that line in it so many songs okay what is it but what is it about that it's line that bugs so you? overused oh it's everywhere okay because there's a, a sort of similar like trope in shows that i find really frustrating where Someone tells somebody the truth and then they go, well, when were you going to tell me this? And the person responds, well, I'm telling you now. Well, no, I figured that out. I love it when that happens (gasps) because I immediately looked at you and I'm like, oh, they said it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's annoying. (laughs) Yeah. I'm hoping that we don't get a time jump. Oh, I'm scared no about that. I know. I'm scared that like, we're going to get a time jump. we're suddenly jumping and like, oh, this is the new system and everyone's got their jobs and this has been going on for three, you know, 30 years and wah, wah, wah. Yeah, no, no, I don't. I don't want that. Not for the next episode. <laughs> I, if they do that in the last like 10 minutes of the show, I'll be fine. Be like, okay, we, this is, this is how we did. This is how things are going in the future. Like, where are they now? <laughs> Like, give us some time to establish this. Give us some time to get used to this whole new system, yes. guys. It's pretty big change. I'm going to go bold and say they're done with the time jump. Wow. That I know is for this show, that, that is a pretty big, <laughs> bold statement. I don't... I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong. But, ooh. uh... Ooh, I kind of want to bet that you're wrong. 
Like five bucks. Five buckarinos. Yeah. Five dollary dues. Five loonies. Five whole loonies that you'll five get. Five loony tunes. Yeah. If you forgot, we're Canadian, so. Okay, five bucks says they will not do a time jump, barring the last, like, couple minutes if they do a Where Are They Now. Last couple minutes of the final, final episode. episode. Yes. Okay, alright. You heard it here first, folks. Five bucks on the line. <laughs> That's a lot in Canadian dollars. <laughs> No, it's not. (laughs) You can't even get like a Big Mac with that. (laughs) No, you can't. But you can get a pack of Timbits. That's true. That's true. And a Big Gulp. Yeah, and you're going to get yourself, oh, no honey dip. No. You don't like honey dip. Or apple fritters. Or apple fritters. You're going to get all jelly. No, all plain. Ew. Gross. Who likes plain Timbits? A plain Jane right here. Alright. <laughs> anyway. So there's only three episodes left of The Good Place. We're going to have tonight's episode next week. And then the 90 Minute Series finale on January 30th. So sad that it's going to be over before February. I can't believe it. We've been doing this podcast since the beginning. Yeah, where do we like, go from here? Oh my god. I mean, if you're wondering that question, if you're thinking, well, now what? I don't have any more Jason and Vivian in my life. And I simply cannot go by or get by without the sound of these annoying Canadians. (laughs) Then you can go check us out on Burger of the Week. It's our Bob's Burgers podcast. It's a lot more lighthearted, a lot less philosophy and discussion of like eternal damnation. But, you know, it's fun. We come up with burger puns. So go check that out. Yes, and it is much shorter, like 30 minutes-ish episodes, but... Still longer than an episode of We're Bob's, there, but... we're having fun, you get to listen to our Canadian accents, which I don't think that we have, but everybody tells me we do, we do, so, you know. Also, if you have a suggestion of a show you'd like us to do a podcast about, let us know. Yeah, something that you think would be equally interesting. Go for it. Preferably Make those suggestions. ish show? I'm gonna take all suggestions. Fine. All right, well, this has been Fork and Bullshirt, a Multiverse Radio production. If you like the show, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes and spread the word. Tell your family and your friends, retweet our posts, give a note to your Janet, and we're almost at the finish line. If you want to join the conversation, we're on Twitter at Multiverse Radio and Facebook at Multiverse Radio Podcast. You can use the hashtag FBullshirt. And you can email us directly at info at multiverseradio.ca. I'm Jason. And I'm Vivian. Bye. Bye.